your prayer life. Oh, man, I'll tell you right now, I feel like I've leveled up. Have you leveled up yet? If you haven't leveled up yet, you still got a little time to level up. It's still time in the year. 2019 is not over yet. First Samuel chapter 16. And then we'll be seated after I read a couple of verses. First Samuel chapter 16. Thank you so much. Man, I'm so proud of this team. Man, these guys, they, they, they just take us in. I tell you right now, it's so good to have somebody just... They already come in... in, in ready, man, with the presence of God all over them, and they take us into the presence. Did you guys feel that during the worship and the praise? Like, man, God's moving, amen? First Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to read just a few verses. Verse 11. Just catch up with me, and they'll put it on the screen. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and bright-eyed and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil. Everybody say the horn of oil. And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Lord, we thank you today, God, for the power of your word. Your word is so powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we ask you, God, for the grace. We ask you for the anointing to be able to preach this word. I pray that every ear, every heart would be, would be re- ready to receive what you have, God. It would fall on good ground, my God, into good places, God, and it would bring, produce much fruit. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Anyway, now I want you to shout out your next season requires you to elevate and you can be seated. Now, here in our text uh, this morning, I, I, it was, I, I went back to I went back to early 2019 and I began to look at some of the messages we preached throughout the, the first three or four months into the five and six months of the year of elevation. And some of the, 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 on Wednesday night, if you were here Wednesday night, Ronnie alluded to it, Wednesday night, I was able to bring out, I think, well, the, the one that was the most closest to my heart, and that was about pursuing God, about chasing God, about being in His presence. That song was all about what I preached about on, without, that was, that was my message right there. Just being in His presence. I don't I have no agendas. I just want to be in your presence. I, just, I don't want to leave here. I want to be right next to you. I want to be at your feet. I want to just love you. I, I, I want you, Jesus. And so I talked a lot about that on Wednesday night. And I also mentioned that we're at the end of another year. Man, can you believe it? Just the other day, if you blink your eyes, it's like it was just 2018. We're now in 2019. And now 2019 is about over. I think we got like, you know, 30 days, not less than 20-some days. And we'll be at the end of the year. But it's not just a year. We're actually at the end of a decade. We are actually entering a whole new generation. We were talking about, we didn't know what the, what the new name's going to be of the new generation because, you know, we've had all, all the millennials, we've had X, Y, Z, and we don't know what, I, we thought, are they going back to the A's? Devin had a, 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 you know, an idea that we're going to go back to the A's and call it Generation Alpha. And I was like, I don't know if that's true or not, but we don't know what they're going to call this next generation, but we're going into it. Whether you like it or not, whether we like it or not, we're moving into a whole new decade. So 2020 is coming. 2020, come on, somebody. How many, how many of you want to have 2020 vision? I need some 2020 vision, man. 
So we know that there's a big transition. There's an ending of a generation. There's a big transition coming from where we're at now. I know it's just a, it's just a transition of a day from 2000, on the 31st to the 1st, but there is a significance. There is a tremendous significance in the fact that we are moving into a whole new season. We are shifting into a whole new season and a whole new decade, a whole new era, a whole new generation. And this season that we're going into requires that we, God prepared us this whole year for this new decade, for this new generation by saying, elevate every area of your life. He gave us a whole year to prepare and to get ready for this next season in our lives. He said, I'm going to take you, I'm going to shift you into a whole new season, but it requires that you elevate your mentality. It requires that you elevate your faith. It requires that you elevate the way you act. It requires the way you talk. It requires that you've got to ch- make some adjustments in the way you think. It, it requires that you make some adjustments in the way you do things and the way you say things and the way you give and the way you hold back. There's some things you need to make some decisions about. And it's going to cause you to elevate. Amen? He said, you can't enter. This past week, you can't. The Lord told me, write this down. We cannot enter 2020 without elevating the certain areas of your life that God said. Listen, some of you still doing the same old junk you were doing in 2018. You act like everything's okay, but you ain't changed a minute. You're still talking the way you talk. You still do things in private that you shouldn't do. There's still things that you haven't adjusted to your life to match up with what you see on the outside. God has seen it's time to elevate out of that. I love the song. I love the testimony that Ronnie gave because you know what? That just tells you that if you're in that place, you you can get out of that place. If you're in that place of despair, you can jump out. You can come out of that place. But you've got to be brutal with yourself. You've got to be brutally honest with yourself. And you've got to say, self, man, I've got to elevate in this area. Enough's enough. You can lose your marriage like that. You can lose your, your job like that. You can lose your life like that. So your next season requires you to elevate. Now, this was our, this was our vision all year long. For us to elevate individually as a church, as a ministry. And God spoke to us. He says, I'm getting ready to elevate you. You've got to be ready for it. So he was already going to begin to elevate, but some of us weren't ready for elevation. Come on, somebody. Are you ready now? Because it's coming. The train's coming. You can hear it. It's, it's going it's to pull up to the station any minute. You can't miss your train. Some of you missed your train last year, and you're still trying to run up and catch it. You better not miss your train this year. Come on, somebody. God's a God of integrity. If he says the train's coming at 8 o'clock, he's coming at 8 o'clock, not 8.05, not 8.07. He's coming at 8 o'clock. If you're not on that train, if you ain't on that bus, maybe you're, you're going you're to be left behind. Are you ready to left, be left behind again, or are you ready to get into the next? Are you ready to shift into the next one? Listen, it's going to require you to elevate, man, this year. Listen, our prayer has to go to another level. Our faith has to go to another level. Our vision has to go to another level. We're not a city church. We're a world church church we have a world vision not a city vision oh we got a vision for our city we got but our vision always has a motive that if we can find some gang members that are loyal to their gang and they can come and be for four or five years in our church and go to Vethi and learn how to preach the gospel they'll be loyal enough to go to another country they'll be loyal enough to go to another city on a team with with uh, with, with a launch out they'll, they'll be loyal to go out and reach other people listen we know what we're doing we know that we have a big vision and it looks like it's just local but we got 
got a worldwide vision. We've got an international vision. Listen, we have a vision for our region. Again, we have motives with that. We want to go find people in Roswell that will be willing to go to the other parts of the world. We want to go find people in Farmington that are willing to go to other reservations, uh, maybe in Montana. We Listen, I know that they have a reservation there on the four corners, but maybe it's time for them to get up out of there and go. We're not going to find them until we send somebody out there. We need to change our mentality and our thinking. We need to elevate the way we serve, the way we give, the way we do church. The way, we have to elevate. Basically, we're we were challenged to pursue God and elevate. Amen? So, I want to go back to our text. Now, when you look at what God was doing in David's life, we all know the story. I think most of you know the story I think there's 99% of people in this church know exactly if you've heard about David and Goliath. Some way or somehow you know about David and Goliath. You know what he did to the Goliath. He took the Goliath, the giant, now he was a giant, nine-foot-tall giant, and you took him down. It's a very, very familiar story in the Word of God. But up to this point right here, up to the point where we're talking about, where I read there earlier, up to this point, David was unheard of. I don't even know that his brothers knew his name. There were so many brothers in Jesse's house, they may have forgotten his name. They didn't even mention his name when they said, well, don't you have any other brother? Well, there's one more over there. But then they said, oh, David's over there. We forgot David. They didn't, they didn't even mention his name. David was out in the field hidden away from God, hidden away from his family, just all by himself. Well, I'm so glad that when you feel all alone and you're hiding someplace and you're hidden, that you ain't alone because God's always with you. And now in our text, let's go back to it. I want to read, I want to pick it up from verse number one. Now we know that Saul has totally displeased God. Saul has messed up, man. Saul just absolutely blew it. And God says, I'm, I'm going to rip the kingdom from him and I'm going to give it to another. And, of course, David was that man. But verse 1 in chapter 16 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reign, reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? In other words, when the prophet comes, hello, somebody. And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed before him. In other words, Eliab looked like a king. He looked like the real deal. He looked like he had the talent. He had the looks. He was tall in stature. He looked like he would look just excellent. With a robe on and a, and a crown on, he looked like the next king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance for his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not look and see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah 
passed by him, and neither has the Lord chosen this one. He said, then, then thus Jesse made seven of his sons. That's nine, right? That's ten right now. Because Jesse was number 11. I mean, David was number 11. That's up to 10. Seven more of his sons passed by, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are, are all the young men here? Listen to this. Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. In other words, it looked to me like he had no value. Like, well, yeah. I mean, he didn't even mention his name. He goes, wow, there's little Davy. There's Davy Boy. Davy Boy's out there. He's good looking, too. Maybe that's what you need. I don't know. Maybe a good looking little king. I don't know. But he's a youngster. He's 15 years old. He's out there looking. There he is out the sheep. He's out there in the sheep field by himself out there. Huh? And he says this. And Samuel said to him, Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And so he sent and brought him. And we know the story. He read all the way down that he, he anointed him with oil. He took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of, of his brothers. In the midst of his brothers. So up to this point, David's completely been alone and hidden in the fields, attending to his father's sheep, being a good steward of what God had given him as a responsibility. But see, what we, what we, nobody knew what, the, what, what his brothers didn't know, what, what Jesse didn't know. What it looked like possibly David had no idea is that God was getting ready to elevate David. Certain things that he had been through, certain things that you have to go through first before you're elevated, certain decisions that he had to make out there in the field. He had to elevate his mentality and his faith and his mind and his heart, and it resulted in a phenomenal faith. That process changed everything for David. He allowed God to do what he did when he was alone. Some of you don't want to be alone. You can't be alone. You can't let go of it. You have to be around somebody or a phone or something. You just don't want to. You're afraid to be in the presence of God or what? God wants to do something in your life. See, some of you here have been hidden up to right now. Some of you right here, you've been hidden up to, up, up to right now. But I, want, I got some news for you this morning in this service that God's getting ready to elevate you. God's getting ready. Listen, 2019 is over, not over. I know, I know some of you feel, well, I've been on the shelf and nobody noticed me. Well, you know what? Maybe because God's not done with you yet. Maybe God's still got some stuff to do in your heart. You see, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above in all things. Who can know it? There might be some things that are still, said so you can't come out into, ele- you can't elevate. God can't lift you up yet because there's still some things he's got to do in your life. Your next season requires that you elevate, but it requires that you deal with your issues and your situations and you're brutally honest with yourself. See, up to now you've been hidden. David had been hidden, but you're about to experience a prophetic. Listen, it was prophecy that out of the line of Jesse that one of his sons would be the next king. He would be of the lineage. It would go all the way to Jesus. I want, it was prophetic. But listen, David had been all alone and hidden and broken by himself. No friendships, no fellowship, nobody just talking to him. He was out there, had to talk to the sheep, but couldn't talk back to him. You see, the outcome of all you've been through is the prophetic season that God's getting ready to elevate you into. The wall that's been in your way is about to become a walkway and a bridge for you. 
Everything that has held you back up to this point, if you'll pursue God, if you'll get a hold of God right now in this season, God has said, I'm going to build a bridge for you to get over that wall that's been holding you back. Come on, somebody. Get ready. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready to step into the new season? Are you ready to shift? Change is not easy, and shifting is not always the easiest thing. But I'm telling you right now, God's getting ready to shift you into a place you've never been before. He's getting ready to put you into a season. Listen, it's not just about a year of 2019 to 2020, but he's getting ready. You better get ready for what God has for you, because what he has for you, you've been waiting for all your life, and you didn't even know it. Come on, somebody. You see, before David ever conquered Goliath, he had to conquer his own spirit he had to rule over his own spirit as proverbs 25 and 28 says in the new king james version whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls Uh, listen god's not going to elevate you if you don't rule over your own spirit Uh, if you can't control yourself if you can't control your thoughts and your actions the bible says paul said it to the church of corinth He said, you need to take every thought captive. You need to make sure that every one of those thoughts that you have are captive and that they obey the Spirit of God, not your flesh. You need to overcome them. If you can't overrule your spirit, you're not going to be able to be elevated. Some of you want to be elevated. You're tired of being on the shelf. You're tired of being alone. You're tired of being hidden. And when am I going to preach? When am I going to sing? When am I going to be able to go to the prison? When am I going to be able to lead the evangelism team? When am I going to be able to get a life group? I want to lead a life group. Yeah, but your character doesn't match your want yet. God's saying, I want to do something in you, but you've got to let me. David had to discover his purpose. You have to discover your purpose. You have a purpose. Somebody shout, I got a purpose. The day David was elevated, he became famous, man. See, some of you just want the fame of being elevated. There's not a whole lot of fame. It seems famous, but it's not. You get blamed for everything. When you're the boss, when you're the top. Must be nice, really. Stand in the shoes and see. The day that David was elevated, he became so famous, they began to write songs about him. I'm talking like platinum record songs. It's like if how many of you are on Facebook? Let me see. Pick up your hand. Don't lie. It's okay. We're on Facebook too, and we're Instagram. How many on Facebook? Let me see. Mom, raise your hand. All right. How many on Instagram? Snapchat. TikTok. My God, when are they going to stop? They keep on inventing new things. But think about think about how many followers you have. Some of you got a lot. You know, my son-in-law told me that if you get like 50,000 views on Instagram, you make like 2,500 and 5,000 bucks. Like, man, I need to get followers. I need to get me like 100,000 followers. You know, what's going on over here? You know, what's happening? I only got like 2,100 or I don't know, not even that, maybe 20, 210. I don't know. I don't even know what I got. I, but I got followers, but I don't, not that many. I'm like, wow. Imagine from one day to the next, you just open your account, your Facebook account, your Instagram account, your Snapchat account, and, and you open it up and you have zero followers. And then from one moment, from one day to the next, all of a sudden now you have 25 million followers. That was the equivalent. In the world we live in, that is like Kardashian moving to the side, um, 
I don't know who, you know, Jay-Z moved to the side, you know. All these famous people, all these actors moved to the side. 25 million people like that. That's how famous David became. He was elevated in front from one day to the next. He was married to the king's daughter. From one, he moved from the, sh- from the sheepfold into the palace. Come on, somebody. No, nah, he didn't move into the palace. He didn't move into the palace until about 15, 13 years later. He didn't become the king. He was anointed king, but they didn't let him be king. Why? Because he still had some things to deal with, too. But he became famous. I'm talking absolutely famous. It was like, it was like just from overnight notoriety. You see, most people want to elevate, but they don't even know their purpose. Most people want to elevate, but they haven't even dealt with issues. You can't elevate until you've been through some kind of process. God was hiding David for a specific time. His time was now. It was finally coming to the place. He had been hidden out there in the field for so long. Some of you are hidden right now, and you've been in the field. You're tired of just being there. Nobody notices. Nobody asks you to, to, to greet at the front door. Nobody asks you to usher. Nobody asks you to do anything. Uh, and you're wondering, why nobody asked me something? Well, I don't know why, but if you want to, you can always volunteer. You can say, hey, I'm, I'd be a good greeter. Look at how I dress nice. I look good. I, I have mints. Come on, use me. But I'm saying this, whatever you do, don't jump out of that field where you're at, where you're, where you're in, in obscurity, where God has you hidden for a moment. Don't jump out of there too soon, because if you do, I'm telling you right now, it won't be good. Some of you want to jump out. God says, I'm dealing with you still. See, David was doing what he was called to do in the field. Nobody knew who he was before that. Not even You don't even mention his, his own dad doesn't even mention. He didn't even get invited to the meeting. He didn't get invited to the anointing party. No one knew who he was. And, and when God elevated David, nothing could stop what God was about to do. Even a giant, even a giant by the name of Goliath, you would have thought for some reason he had already been anointed king. He had been anointed. And then next we see him defeating the giant. But, you know, you would think, well, that giant's going to uh, eat him up and annihilate him. But no, not even a giant, not no devil and hell will stop you from whatever God has for you in your future. But before he would do that, God had to elevate things in David's life. He had to be a servant. That's why he was carrying stuff over to his brothers to serve his brothers. He had already been anointed king, and yet his, his dad still says, here, come on, Aaron boy. Well, that's what you think you're called when you're serving. But you're not an Aaron boy, you're a servant. Jesus taught him the last night with the disciples. He taught him. He washed their feet. There's something about elevating your serve that elevates your life. So you feel like you've been hidden for too long, but you think it's the devil keeping you back. But it ain't the devil keeping you back. It's God keeping you. It's God dealing with you. It's God getting a hold of you. It's God equipping you and anointing you and taking things out of you that don't belong there and he has you on that shelf polishing you up for one day when he needs to use your life and i'm telling you right now if pride will want you to jump off the shelf but humility will say serve on the shelf come on somebody he hasn't 
that the, the devil hasn't been trying to hide you. It's God that's been trying to hide you. It's God that's been trying to work in your life before you can be elevated to a platform of preaching the gospel or singing or doing all these great things that you feel God has called you to do. You first need, it requires that you elevate some areas of your life. You gotta elevate your worship. Man, it's hard to get anybody to worship up here. I'm like, right now, we have to say it 30 times. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Listen, if you won't got nothing to worship about, then don't lift your hands. But if you woke up breathing this morning, if you woke up and you don't have hepatitis C no more, if you woke up and you don't have diabetes, your diabetes is under control, if you woke up and you're not in a prison cell, if you woke up and your car's working, then you got something to worship about. David was a worshiper. But David wasn't concerned about worshiping in public. Oh, when he did, he got judged for it. His own wife couldn't handle it. People couldn't handle it. But I'll tell you something right now. David worshiped in private, and when God elevated him, it made it. His pursuit of God in the field of worship made a way for his public worship. David's relationship with God was cultivated there in the field, not in the church. Your relationship with God is when you're driving and people are trying to run you off the road and you just sing, because of who you are, before I kill them. Because of who you are, I give you praise before I run them off the road. Because of who you are. You got to work on you. Before De- David ever defeated the giant, he had to defeat a lion and a bear. But he didn't do it in the public arena. It wasn't in some big old arena where he said, okay, now on the left side, there comes David the Bethlehemite, Jesse's son. And the crowd went, oh, he's going to get eaten. Or the lion, the bear's going to tear his heart out. No. The Bible says here when David proclaimed it, he says, when I was out there in the field, when it was all by myself, when a lion came, when a bear came, oh, when it came to eat my father's sheep, I took care of business. I took that lion and I took him out. I took that bear and I took him out. See, he did that in private. Some of you got to deal with your lions and your tigers and your bears here this morning. The things that are inside of you. Because if you don't, when you come up to the giant, the giant's going to smash you. In order to go public, in order to be in the public eye, in order to, to defeat this giant that would make him famous, that would give Israel back their name, that would make God famous in Philistines, they would know there's no other God like the God of Israel. He had to defeat his own flesh, his own fear, his hang-ups, his enemies inside. The, en- the enemy in you is worse than the enemy outside of you. Some people want to cultivate their relationship with God in public. I'll, I'll get my thing in church. You got it. Be in church. Don't forsake the assembly of God. But but that private worship makes room for your public worship, huh? You can't defeat giants publicly until you've destroyed the bear and the lion inside of your hearts. Right before David defeated the giant, he was anointed. There was an anointing that went on. It was an anointing service. 
there was a sacrifice. They brought the brothers. We read all about it. And then all of a sudden, they bring Jesse. Jesse brings young David. David comes, and then boom. Have you ever watched the movie David with Richard Gere? What a, that's a good movie right there. And, and it's, like, it's like the music, the harps, and, and the little lights that go on da- the rocks. And then they shine on David like that. Like, it's heavy, man. Like if you're a Bible reader, it, it's heavy. And, and, and there's David there, and he, he anoints him. The oil. And then the song they're singing, and Samuel's the prophet's putting the oil. He's, he's got the horn of oil, and he's pour, pouring it over him. He's pouring it over his head, dripping on his hair. And, and, he, and he's, he's there, and he's got, he's, he has there's an, uh, an anointing service that happens to him. Now, it's crazy that David didn't go from right there and say, okay, uh, go pack your bag. Get all your stuff together. Well, if you want to, we'll just buy you new stuff. You don't need none of that stuff. Oh, that, that stuff, you don't need that no more. We don't wear that stuff in the, king, in the palace. There was no, like, a personal attache, like a personal assistant, you know, you know, like a bunch of people, like a staff that came over. Okay, guys, uh, so let's get rid of that, get rid of that. You don't, you don't need nothing from David. In fact, we, we brought you a new set of clothes. You're not, you're not wearing that. You stink, dude. You stink just like sheep. Let's go. See, David smelled like sheep. Do you smell like sheep? They didn't get him, go take him and escort him, put him in a little carriage, you know, get him, get him a, 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 a Escalade, you know, black car, service to the palace. Okay, this is your new room right here. Nah, 13 years went by before he ever went into the, he had to fight, he had to go through some stuff. He still had to deal with stuff before he could be elevated to the position of king. He still, even though after he found out his purpose, see, some of you found out your purpose, you go, well, I don't know why, I don't have me preaching. I know my purpose. You still got 13 years to go, some of you. David still had some things to deal with. You, can, I, can I have a few more moments? You guys aren't anxious to get out, right? Okay. See, let me, let me just share this with you. And I'm going to cut it a little short, but I, let me, let me share. I, I've got a few more things I've got to share. Now, you think about the anointing. There's something about the anointing. The anointing is cost, costly. There is a tremendous cost to pay for the anointing of God in your life. Everybody looks at Reinhard Bunke and says, oh, he preached to millions. Oh, two million. But you don't know the demons he fought. I'll never forget a story he told where he was, he was fighting against a lot of demons, man. And he says he was in a service. There was thousands of people there. And he got out there, and he was, like, having a hard time speaking, man. He was having a hard time, like, getting words out. He was like, man, he was oppressed. And, and all of a sudden, he says, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Though, have you ever heard the way he preached? Oh, my God. Like, power of God, right? The blood of Jesus. 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 The blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this lady in the front roll over to the left over here started shaking and trembling like into a, like she got into, like, a, she looked like a, she was having a seizure. What it was is them, them legion of demons that were inside her were shaking under the power of God. Well, the two guys next to her picked her up and was trying to snap her out of it. And she wouldn't snap out of it. So they picked her up and they carried her out of the big old giant, this huge facility. And he preached the gospel heavy duty. Well, one of those guys came back after the service, after the altar call, and said, can I speak with you? He says, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but that woman right there was one of the leading coven witches in this area. She shuts down services. She'll, her, her demonic spirit doesn't allow the preacher to preach. She calls things out, and he just goes, eh. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I've never seen what happened happen. He goes, 
He goes, we try to snap her out of it. He goes, I, my, I was second. I was supposed to do, take over for her and keep on doing that. He goes, all I can know is that everything I heard up to that point was power, and I heard the last part of your message, and whatever you have, I want to give my life to Jesus. Because I've been first serving a false god, he said. I thought to myself, everybody sees this notoriety. Millions of people. You look at some of the video, and there's millions in these crusades. Millions in Africa. And that, you think that came with a, that just came for free? You don't think he paid a heavy price? His family paid a heavy price? There's a cost for the anointing. Now look at, look at Saul's anointing. In, chap, in verse, in, because, of, because of time, let me just run quick. 1 Samuel 10, verse 1 through 5. Now the people have been demanding a king. They were tired of having judges. They wanted a king. They weren't satisfied with King Jesus, with the, the, the Father. They weren't, they weren't satisfied with the God the Father as a king. They wanted a, a king they could talk to. They wanted a king they could see with their own eyes. They wanted a king. So they demanded a king. So they said, okay, God. God said, okay, I'll give him a king. So he chooses, he chooses Saul. And Saul was big, tall. He looked like a king. And the Bible says here, look, look what it says in, in, in chapter in chapter 1 through 5. Let, let me read it. Let me find it real quick. Make sure I got it right. It says, then Samuel took a flask of oil. Let me see a flask. Or, somebody, or say a bottle. So it took a flask of oil and poured it out on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Now, every other version says poured out. It doesn't say anointed. The Lord has poured out. Poured out over you. The Lord has appointed you and poured out over you. I want you to keep that. Because here in the NLT, it says, then Samuel took the flask of oil, the bottle of oil, and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed him and says, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler. There's a difference between appointment and anointing. Some of you will be satisfied with being appointed. And God says, I want to I anoint you. Now, David, we read it earlier. The Bible says Samuel took, this time Samuel didn't take a flask or a bottle. This time he took a horn. He, he, earlier he says, fill your horn with oil and go sacrifice at Jesse's and anoint me a king, a new king that I have. There's a big difference between the two. Think about it. Saul gets anointed with a flask or a bottle of oil. And, and, and David gets anointed with a horn. Now let me tell you the difference. You see, the horn represented the cost of the anointing. That this animal, that this horn was taken from, had to be killed, had to be sacrificed. There had to be blood. There had to that cost that animal its life. It cost everything. The bottle, the flask, was just a bottle where they put oil in it. It wasn't very costly. It didn't cost very much. It just they just poured the oil in it. It was, and I'm not going to say it was cheap because it represents an appointment and it pours over a new king and the prophet is using it so it's got to be, you know, he had to pray over it. But think about the difference between the flask. In chapter 10, he takes a flask or a bottle and why not? Why does God not say take an oil, take, take a horn? Let me tell you why. Because Saul's anointing was man-made, a man-made anointing. Saul's anointing was man it was like voted in. His anointing was 
demanded by the people. The people says, we want something we can touch. Doesn't that sound like Moses when he was up in the mountain? The people came down and said, we want a God. They mounted all their gold. And they came out millionaires, gazillionaires. They had all the gold in Egypt. And yet they put it, they, they melted it down and put it into one big old calf, one golden calf. Why? So they could touch it. So they could see it. They could see their God. They wanted to see a God. They, the people of Israel, they wanted to see. They went back. They reverted right back to what they did before. They went back and they said, well, just give us a king. So God said, okay, I'll give you a king, but I'm going to give you a king who's going to misbehave. I'm going to give you a king that hasn't paid a price. I'm going to give you a king that doesn't have what it takes to take for the long haul. He won't last long. If that's the kind of anointing you want, a quick little flask anointing, you won't last long. You won't stay in the kingdom of God. You won't last serving the Lord very long. Why? Because it's a man-made anointing. But when you've been anointed with the horn of the oil, where you know that it cost Jesus everything. Listen to me. Jesus was the lamb who was who took away the sins of the world, but he had to die. There was an anointing that was paid for in his death. The blood that was shed on Calvary for you and for I, it cost him his life. And here we are playing with that anointing as human beings. So what do you want? Do you want God's anointing? Or do you want a man-made? Because, you know, Victory Outreach, we don't have a man-made anointing. We have a we have a God-sized task. It's so big that unless God's with us, we'll fail. There is no way that a bunch of ragtag ex-dofiends can lead a ministry like we lead like this. And a, a bunch of drug addicts and gang members over in Atlanta and Dallas. You got Jesse with a big old brochure. You got J- Jerome over there in Atlanta walking like that. You don't even, you look at him and say, oh, he looks like a nice pastor. He was a gangster, man, in L.A. Listen, I want you to know, it doesn't, it, it, there's no way that man can do that. It has to be God that puts a bunch of guys together like that. It has to be the anointing of God. It can't, it's not a man-made anointing. It's a God-sized task that God called us to. Listen, Saul had it made. He was already, you know, he, he was going to be the king and everything was going to be cool. And people wanted him, so they were going to revere him for a while until they wanted to chew him up and spit him out. But oh, David, on the other hand, David had to pay a price. What was the price? He had to kill a lion and a bear in private. He had to learn how to get a hold of God in private so that when he came into the public eye, that nothing would stop him. Let me tell you something about the anointing. The anointing, when you're anointed by God, there is no giant in hell that can stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. No, no, no giant can kill your marriage. No giant can kill you. Listen, I want you to know you'll be under the protection of the anointing of God. Why? Let me tell you why. Because God is with you. And when God is with you, nothing can come against you. Come on, somebody. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come to the keyboard with me, if you would, please. You see, the horn of oil represented the cost of the anointing. It was costly, man. It took a lot. He was broken in the presence of God. He was alone with God. He was humble. He wasn't even invited, man. He wasn't invited. Look at our text. He says, don't you have any other sons? He goes, yeah. Like one virgin says, yeah, but. He's like, you wouldn't want to pick him. What is he going to do? He don't know nothing. He's young. He's a third waiver. You need you need some Joshuas. You need some pioneers. That third wave, ah, they're wet behind the ear. They don't even know what they're doing. They're, they're green kids, man. They're looking, look at them. They just jump around. They think they're all excited. Think about it. You don't know. 
Those kids have to go to school. They got to go to school, and they got to put up with the crazy teachers and the crazy uh, uh, students that are there that don't believe in God. They won't let them pray at the pole. It's supposed to be our right to pray at the pole, but they won't let, let them do it. They won't let them take their Bibles. Tell you something right now. David was uh, lived a life of obscurity and alone and hiddenness. He was hidden. He was all alone. There's one more, but he's, I don't want him. He says, well, let me check him out. Bring him to me. I'm not gonna, I ain't sitting down. I'm going to walk around and look at your place because I'm going to stand up and see until he gets here. And remember, all of that whole city in Bethlehem, everybody was on edge because the prophet was in town. See? If you feel like you've been hidden, raise your hand this morning. Come on. If you feel like, man, what's going on with my life? I feel like I'm just hidden. Let me tell you something right now. Your time is coming, man. Your co- it's coming. Say it. My time is coming. God's about to call you out, man. You're about to step out of that field and under the anointing of God, get under the horn of the anointing. And God's about to lift you up. God's about to elevate you. He's just more concerned about your character and your convictions and, than your talents and your abilities. Some of you got all kinds of abilities and talents. And, oh, you're amazing. But your, but your convictions are not high. And your character is low. You got bad character. The way you act. Things used to come out of your mouth still. You haven't changed yet. God is saying, if you don't change, I can't elevate you. See, God's getting ready to elevate you. See, when David, David, little David emerged onto the scene, he comes onto the scene, everybody was like, this is a kid. Even his brother said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Are you mad? Are you dumb? We're in the battlefield, man. What are you doing here? His brother knew. He was there the day they anointed him. And he still couldn't see it. His brothers knew that he was anointed and appointed, but he couldn't see it. He said, what are you doing? What did you do with the sheep? And he says, you know what? I left him with an attendant. Like, in other words, I don't shine shoes no more. I don't do the sheep no more. I, I, I love sheep, but I'm not doing that no more. I, I'm here now. I'm here now. I came to bring you supplies, but I'm here now. See, before you come out, you've got to conquer. You've got to conquer your fears, your lack of faith. When you look at the life of David, we find so many different things about him. I wanted to go into it. I'm not going to go into it. I tried to do it Wednesday night. I couldn't do it. Maybe I'm going to do it next week. But we find God promoted him. He protected him. He provided him for him. I just want to talk about protection for just a moment before I close. Think about how who protected him. Obviously, God protected him. That's a, that's a big deal. But he had a friend. God, God used a friend by the name of Jonathan. His own father was trying to kill David. But God raised up this, this brother in the Lord. There's only two places in the Bible where it says to love somebody with all your heart, mind, and soul. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And be knit together with each other. Knit, you, know, you and your wife. You and your wife. Knit together. There's one other place in the whole Bible that says Jonathan and David were knit together in their hearts. In other words, he was like a brother to him. Yet his own father Saul was trying to kill David. 
God raised up a good friend. Then he raised up his wife. I know his wife later on despised him, and she had a reason. See, David was still dealing with some things. David looked anointed. He still got. He still had a few things he was showing dealing with. But his wife, man, you tell, she protected him. She helped him get away from her own father. And then look at his mentor, Samuel. He protected him. I, I don't have time to go into the text. I have it, but I don't have time to go there. And then lastly, the supernatural, the spirit of God, the anointing of God protected him. Remember, even, even the priests, the priests were there. They were all killed. Saul went to go to find David. David had been residing there, and he left. He escaped out of there. And they killed all the priests. They stood there in the gap for him. He was always protected. You know, the only time that he wasn't protected was a time when he felt like he had made it. Like he was, like he had arrived. Like he was the end of his life. I'm in the glory. I've, I've done all. Look at, look at me. They sing songs about me. He started believing his own press. I'm a great preacher. I'm a great this. I'm a great that. Then he found himself on the on the on a, on a balcony with a view, a good view of one of his own soldiers. Why? You know the story. He had him killed. Took his wife. Wow. How in the world did he get back to that place? Let me tell you how he got back to that place. Because sometimes when God has given you his precious anointing, we take it for granted. Don't take God's anointing for granted. Don't take it. Let this be a, let this be a good point for you today, Junior. And I'll close with this. That God's anointing is not cheap. Don't settle for a man-made anointing, an appointed call. Only settle for what Jesus has got in you. Bow your heads with me this morning. Bow your heads with me. Since the beginning of this service, God has wanted to do something. I'm not going to labor this altar call. I know there's some of you here this morning that might need to get saved. You may not know Christ. You might not know Jesus. You might know of him, but you've never been born again. You've never given your life to him. You've never you've never said the sinner's prayer. You've never, you've never actually denied yourself and said, God, come into my heart. Or maybe you're here today and you might say, I know the Lord, but I've been fighting. I've been struggling. I don't, I've been running from God. And somehow I'm in this room here today. And I know now that I was here for a reason that I need to rededicate my life to God. I'm speaking to you too. And lastly, I'm talking to all those of you this morning that God has spoken to your heart this morning. There's an area of this message where God spoke to your heart and you said, I'm ready to commit my, I need my level, my, my, uh, I need to get the, I need to elevate my level of commitment to God, to my spouse, to my family, to my ministry, man, to my pastors, to my friends, my, my loved ones. I need to commit, my commitment level's low. I need to get committed more to God. And then you might say, you know what? I need my, my faith to go to another level. Maybe I need my love to go to another level. Whatever it is, God has spoken to you as they begin to sing this song. If you fit, fit one of those descriptions here this morning, I just want to open up this altar. I want you to come and find a place here. Come on. God wants to move mountains. He wants to, he wants to slay giants inside of your life. Oh, come on. Come all over this place. Let God get a hold of you. Let him deal with your character. Let him deal with your stuff, man. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this house. Come up to the front. Get closer. Get closer. Get closer. Make room. Make room. Come closer with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Giants are still being slain. God, we believe.
move of God in America. Oh, my God. 